0: Hi there, I'm Birgit O'Connor, and welcome to the World of Watercolor Painting Podcast. Now today we've got a very special guest, Jane Blundell. And if you've ever wondered about light fastness, color blends, transparency, clean color, she's the one to talk to. She's from Australia, and her website is janeblundellart.com. I'll also post a link to her website and blog in the show notes. And recently, Daniel Smith came out with a small pan set of her colors that you can use for any kind of painting, along with her very special Jane's Grey. We'll be talking about different color combinations, fugitive color, and how you can create a really good shadow color that you can use on top of yellows. We'll be talking about Jane's process and the new book that she has available that I think you're really going to be interested in, along with a special discount offer for the month of April. So let's get started and have some fun. Uh, I'd like to welcome you and uh, just I'm so excited to talk to you today. So um, do you have any questions for me before we get started? I've
1: obviously recommended your books to many of my students. It's, it's one of those things when um, whenever someone says, you know, is there a really good book on watercolor? And I said, there are lots of books on watercolor. But if you want a textbook, this is the one to get.
0: Oh, so thank you.
1: A lot of my students have bought that because it really covers... It covers what people need to know without bullshit. You know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. Love that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I I am very very direct and to the point. And yeah, I'm not I'm not very heady that way. So thank you so much. I really. It was such a nice surprise to see that in your collection. I really awesome. appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty impressed. Thank you so much. Well, you know, I I told my um. I told a lot of my students that I was going to be meeting with you today. They were like, please say hello to her and all that hard work that you do on your blog and all that information that you give. It just, to me, that I just couldn't do it. You know, it's just overwhelming. And so you must have, you know, I have so many questions for you. So. Oh, why Oh, well, uh, first of all, since I'm thinking about it, you, must have such a love of color. How you know? I want to get into uh, who you are and all this, but uh, first of all, uh, you are most known for your color, right? Or is that my nickname here is um, is Color Jane? Oh
1: yeah, or the Color Queen, or all sorts of crazy things. But yes, it's, it's a real passion, and it has been as long as I can remember. Um, so I just put on Instagram um, a post showing my um, 72 doants that I was given when I was seven. And that was, you know, I was so excited. So back then, you know, this all this colour and I used to always, all I ever wanted was art supplies and stationery supplies and coloured pens and pencils. And I loved colouring abstract things and creating things. And so it goes back as long as I can remember um, when I was about, 12, I remember doing a whole series of studies where I was actually exploring warm and cool and having things recede in advance and painting things in greens and blues and seeing how they compared with reds and oranges. And So I remember always being interested in the way colour worked and and creating um, accents, you know, so doing mostly green and blue and putting a, a little bit of red in it and seeing how it reacted. So all these sorts of things I was playing around with, with acrylics down in my little den, you know, when I was 12. And um, and it's interesting. I don't have much of my art from when I was a kid because the teachers always kept it. So you know, everything I did just got kept as examples, and I never got it back. And I thought, oh, so I don't really have anything before I was about sixteen. So um, yeah, that was that was kind of an interesting one. That it's
0: just they all they all kept it. <laughs> that is interesting that they would t- keep it. That doesn't seem right at all. You know, it's. Uh, <laughs> you would think that your parents definitely would want that so oh my goodness well let me let me start with um even though we are started we have started i just like to know why don't you tell everybody what your website is so they can find you there and we'll return to that at the end of the co- um, show too and also your blog can be found on your website right
1: yes, they, are, they are linked so the website is Com, and there is a link to that, it just actually has blog as one of the headings or the separate um, e- address for that is www.janeblondelart.blogspot.com okay. um, and people can follow it so then if every time I put something up there it'll, it'll automatically go into their inbox um, and I, I try and okay. just put up things that, that I, I treat them quite differently. So the website is intended as a, as a resource that you can return to so it's predictable So, you know, if you've found the watercolour mixing charts or you've found the the swatches and you want to find them again, they they don't disappear, whereas the blog I treat as more of a whatever it is I'm looking at at the time. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things I've aimed with my blog is to show, do a blog post on every professional watercolour brand in the world. And I'm very nearly there. A new one was released this year and I've got them up there. Um, There are a couple I haven't got but I'm working on. Um, and there's a few that I've got a few missing. but And then the other part of it is on my website. I then will have all of those swatches, and there's thousands of them now, um, all organised by pigment number. So all of the um, the, the reads will be on one page. And they, they currently are, but I've got quite a few hundred to add. Um, it takes a lot of time to actually scan every image and crop it and stick it up there. And I just have been working on more things. But eventually, I'll and then I'm also doing a series of specific almost um, pigment spotlights. So, you know, a PB, PBR7, which is a, um, a brown pigment, can have so many different personalities because it's raw umber and raw sienna and burnt umber and burnt sienna and all these other colours as well. And so just doing a blog post where they're all compared so people can actually see the differences. So um, I, I'm just fascinated with with particularly watercolour, but colour generally. And it's I just find it interesting. And I think, well, if I'm
0: interested, other people might be too.
1: So yeah, it goes back a while.
0: So, do you have <laughs> time to actually do painting of subjects? I, I've seen your website, and that you you have such a wide variety of things that you do. You know, you have you have done a children's book also, yeah, the
1: magical tree,
0: it, and that was written by Steve Stein, right? Yeah, it, and then you do etchings. You've done etch. I mean, you didn't you start with etchings, perhaps? I started with botanicals.
1: So when I was a teenager, I did botanicals. Um, I just loved flowers. And so I did very, very detailed studies of flowers as a child and detailed drawings and so on. I've always loved detail. And then, um, then I did etching at, at university because it was the most, I could already draw and paint. I wanted to do something where they were going to teach me something. And so I learned the craft of etching and I learned it from a master who was very particular. And so all the prints are very clean, the edges are very neat, and all the things that people don't care about so much now, but when I was doing it, it was very important that every print in an edition was it was identical and uh, these days everyone puts different colors over everything and it's all one offs and monotypes and so on. But I learned it very traditionally, but it's not very child friendly, so when I had young children, I didn't want sharp tools and acids mm. and so on. And, so that's when I really got into watercolour entirely because of young kids, watercolour mm-hmm. and pencils and all the things that were non-toxic. Um, so I haven't done I haven't done much, sketching in a long time, but um, I, I really concentrate more on watercolour. Good question. I don't do a lot of paintings. I do a lot more sketches. I oh. think um, I'm up to about my 60th, 69th sketchbook. Oh. I'm doing as oh. many large paintings just because of, because of the time I'm putting into other things at the moment. I do a lot of online teaching. I do a lot of travel and teaching. Mm -hmm. And so I've just had to accept that at the moment I've got other things I'm working on. Mm -hmm. Um, I do a, a couple of paintings a year and that's maybe three, maybe four. So not a lot, but it will come once I finish all these other projects that I'm working on. Um, I'll get back to it. It's hard
0: to find the time to do everything. You know, it's just yeah. like I know that I've reduced my traveling schedule so I could turn my attention back to some other projects and do my own painting because it's been, it, it, it's just challenging when you're traveling all the time. Do you do a lot of travel? Yes. I've been traveling for at least three months a year. Um, mm-hmm. And
1: so that's time away that I'm, I'm doing some teaching, some, some travel for fun, ski trips with my husband, all those sorts of things. But um, often they're teaching trips, so I'll go and teach for a week somewhere and then come back. And then um, I tend to go to the Urban Sketches Symposium each year. I've been teaching at those, and so I'll tie that in with other, as many other things as I can. I've had a couple of wonderful teaching trips in the US, um, you know, having something like 15 workshop days teaching in 21 days and driving in between. And one day I had I think I had 16 hours to drive Hundred and sixty miles, 000, oh, 1,600 miles. That's what it was. Uh, so it's just finish yeah. one, and right off we go. And, and so, yeah, I'm not going to want to do that forever.
0: But it, are you it's, coming it's, back to the US soon, or are you? I don't have a um, a planned
1: date at the moment, but um, I'm, there's a there's a possibility of something coming up in July that would take me back.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, um, but I haven't, I haven't got it planned at the moment. But certainly, yes, um, it's just a case of when.
0: You mentioned before how a lot of people are just changing the watercolor medium and they're using all different things like to me watercolor is watercolor you know it's not really uh, water in acrylics and all that i hate to say that but that's kind of what it's not a water medium i think of it as watercolor how do you feel about it
1: well i agree um when one of the interesting ones that that changes the boundaries a little bit is the core watercolours, you know, the Q O R. Yeah. Because they came out with their own aquazole medium instead of gum arabic. And um I I had I had heard very good things about golden acrylics. You know, they've always had the reputation of being fantastic. So I was really excited to try these. I thought they'd be wonderful. And while they do have less drying shift than other watercolors, so they really they really do hold their colour. They Mm -hmm. felt to me quite horrible because they didn't feel like watercolor
0: really I've... that's fascinating to me because i was really curious i i, I just thought they were i, I haven't i have barely even looked at them actually i haven't had the chance to do that or i'm really set in what i like so i was wondering um i thought maybe they'd be too bright so they don't react like regular watercolor no they don't behave the same they the, the
1: closest thing i could think was it felt as though i was painting with with alcohol instead of water there was something something less liquid. There was something different about it. Mm. Um, and they didn't granulate the same. And, they, they, and they, if you put them into a pan and then let them dry, they didn't re-wet really particularly well. Um, so, I mean, I've always thought if someone was transitioning from acrylic to watercolour, they might enjoy them because, they're, because they felt more acrylic. They felt more artificial. Mm. Um, there are people who love them and they do love the brightness. I mean, I think some people find it difficult, the drying shift that we, you know, adjust to with watercolour. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a market for them um, and they do have some excellent pigments and so on, but I was, I was, I, I didn't enjoy them. They're not something that I, that I loved. And I, and I always try and say what I'm looking for is what are colors that when you put them in a palette, as I tend to do and let them dry, they will rewet and reactivate. If they don't do that, I'm not interested. Um, I, cause I tend to do so much travel sketching that I take the colors with me and I don't want to be putting them out of um, straight from tubes. So I don't tend to use M Graham, even though they're a wonderful brand, because they don't work for what I do.
0: That's um, interesting. I, I'd like to interrupt you for a second because M, you don't use M Graham. I thought with their honey base in there that they would re-wet well. I don't use that. I use a lot of Windsor and Newton. So they re-wet well, but they don't dry. Oh, um, okay.
1: Where it's very humid, right? So I, I've had, I've made up, I've tried them, and I've made up little half pans. And they just seem to get wetter and wetter because the honey absorbs moisture from the atmosphere and then they start growing mould. So for for my climate, they really don't work. And I've had someone sent me a whole bunch of little samples. I think it was just a little um, um, chewing gum packet with little samples of watercolour in each one and each one grew a different colour of mould. So for this climate, the M-grams don't work so well. But I think in the drier climates and in, and in a lot of the U.S. where there's more air conditioning and, and, you know, basically drying out the air, they're probably absolutely fine. And certainly people who work with watercolour straight from the tube, they're fabulous. But for me, they, they just don't work.
0: I also so, thought with the honey in there, that's supposed to prevent the moulding.
1: It's supposed to. But uh, I think our, our mould might like American honey. I don't know. Oh
0: didn't work well that is fascinating and so i also heard that sennelier has honey in there um right so then what do you think about them
1: same problem so they will also not completely dry um and so once again beautiful to use if you use them straight from the tube and there are plenty of artists who do that i think you do don't you you tend to work with the paint often straight from the tube
0: I prefer for the movement, for the size flower that I'm working on or for if I'm working on a large sky to get the uh, richest color intensity, I like to use it, uh, squirt new color into my um, wells, but I will add to the existing color and then use that. That's what I thought from watching your videos. (laughs) (laughs) As I repeat myself over and over again. Oh, my goodness. So. So and also since we're talking about your travel sketch, uh doesn't your travel sketching Daniel Smith, did they come out with a whole set for you or didn't they do that? Yes, they did. Um I, I should be able to just grab one and show you. Um That's okay, I'm like you too. I'd be running around the studio. I've got everything just out there. Um what have I done with them? That's nice to know that I'm not alone. Well, I'm so happy that I have a chance to actually, I mean, I am honored, you know, um, you know, I saw that you liked one of my paintings on, uh, I think it was Facebook, and I thought, oh my goodness, I'm so, I'm so honored, and then when you contacted me, it was like, oh my gosh, I've just got to ask you if you'd like to do it. and this way, I'd love to, that's the wonderful thing about what we do, is when we connect with other artists, you know, Absolutely. that that yes. have that passion, that like we do, so okay, show me your set. Let's take a look. At, I'm going to wait. Hold on. Let me get this on here. Okay, go ahead. So it's a it's a
1: set. Many years ago, I created a um, what I called the ultimate mixing set, um, because it was designed to be able to be a small number of paints. You know, so there's fifteen. Um, it was designed to be um, at the time all signal pigments except one, which was the mix, which I called Jane's Gray. Um, but you can mix anything with it. And my theory is, if you can do whatever you want to do with just mixing two colors. That is so much easier than if you need to always mix three colors because I find my students always struggle with three-color mixes. And so it had enough pigments that you could then um, mix a huge range of greens and purples and all sorts of things and darks and 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 so on. So then I've been asking Daniel Smith for a long time to create pans of color just because buying tubes, setting things up, putting them in the palettes is hard for beginners and I'd much rather beginners start with artist quality than student quality. And eventually they, they said they would. And we, we sort of discussed different ideas. They were talking about, you know, six colours, twelve colours, 28 colours, all sorts of things. And then they actually said, you know, well, what would you want to do? And I said, well, if you're going to do one for me, you'd do the 15. And they did. And they did it in a box that holds just the 15. So I was, I was stunned. Um, so that's what it looks like and it's the the 15 colors that i've recommended in choose including the jane's gray so they've mixed up that
0: so Um, do you have a white in there too it's not a white no it's um it's
1: buff titanium it's an Ah. absolutely gorgeous color um i'm going to show you a swatch of it so that it's just a sec easier to see
0: i like that we're both wearing green today And while you're looking for that, I have to tell you somebody somebody mentioned um, about your Jane's gray, and you know I a lot of my students have called uh, what I do too is like a beer gets uh, well they call it beer gets blue or beer gets gray whatever they call it but it's really the I use the French ultramarine blue and burnt sienna from Windsor and Newton and you are using I believe isn't that the ultramarine blue and burnt sienna? Yeah, but
1: the Daniel Smith, so it's a different right. burnt sienna. It's completely.: I have, I have all these swatches, okay, so that's all That's every watercolor in the world, basically,
0: all painted out.: I'm looking at it. <laughs> I think that we need to turn that's, this into a video podcast for everybody to see. They're going to have a slight lag, but that's too bad. Okay, go ahead, show me. Right. So if I bring this right in,
1: you can see Oh my God. The buff titanium is not white. It's granulating. Mm -hmm. It's a white pigment. Um, I think of it as an unbleached white. So if you had an unbleached calico or an unbleached linen, it has this ecru colour and a lot of granulation. And I live in Sydney, which is a, a city built on sandstone. And the sandstone can be depicted with the buff titanium and a lovely colour called goethite, which is a bit like a yellow ochre, and another one that's a transparent red oxide. And those three together will create the colours of Sydney sandstone. But it's also lovely for marble. It's lovely for um, concrete in with other, other colours and so on. So it's, I find it incredibly useful. And it also acts as a sort of a, well, it'll create pastel colours. Um, I don't tend to use a regular white. This one's a, a P, PW6 colon one, which is a titanium, you know, unbleached titanium. Um, but this one I use all the time. So yeah, really?
0: it's buff titanium, yeah. So now that's, that's not a for many. Well, your set, that would, I would assume those would be all your favorite colors, right? Well, the interesting thing is, the set is
1: designed for anyone who wants to get into watercolor and work with it with ease. What I have in my palette has a couple of quirky differences. So this is actually very much designed for people to work with. Um, so yes, this has a lot of my favorite colors but it has a couple of colors that I recommend rather than use, which sounds a bit strange. I know
0: Um, I do expect not to me. doesn't sound strange to me.
1: (laughs) There's a fabulous red in here. It's a really beautiful warm red called pyral scarlet.
0: I love that color.
1: It's one of the most beautiful reds. I think there is because it's a a classic warm red. It's relatively transparent and it's really rich. Um, But in my own palette, I use a different red. I use one called transparent pyral orange.
0: I have, yeah. But I think yeah. I
1: have put transparent pyro orange into a palette, and it's an orange. It confuses people. So this one will mix beautifully and do all sorts of other things. But it's not the one I use. And the same with the thalo blue. There's a thalo blue green shade, which is the more traditional green, you know, one to use, and it mixes very well. It creates all sorts of extraordinary colours. And in fact, these two mix together to make the most beautiful um, Prussian blues and indigos and all those sorts of things. But in my palette, I have red shade just because in Australia our sky can sometimes be phthalo blue red shade and mm. it's I just prefer it. But if I wanted to make it into a green shade, I know to add a bit of phthalo green and away I go. So so what I use personally and what I recommend, they just have those two differences. Um, but otherwise, yes, all of these intermix beautifully. I only use these two yellows. They'll do anything I want to do. What um, yellow do you use? It's Hansa Yellow Medium. which I is love a
0: that. I, I use yeah, the same one.
1: 97, yep. And I use the Genuine Conacridone Gold, which I bought up. I have plenty of those. So I still use the, the PO 49, um, but the new, the hue is, is pretty good. Um, so then there's three reds, which is different. You know, often they talk about a warm and a cool red, but it has a warm red. So the pyral Scarlet and then the pyral Crimson, although in the set they were having trouble. So they've used Permanent Alizarin Crimson, which is the same hue, just it's a, it's a mixture. Um, which gives the crimson red, which will mix blacks with the phthalo green. So some of them are in there because of what else they'll do. Lovely for flowers and so on. So that gives that really rich crimson. Mm-hmm. And then the quinacridone rose, which, you know, such a basic, it's permanent rose in Windsor & Newton. Um, and then ultramarine, so three blues as well, ultramarine and cerulean chromium. Uh, there isn't quite, it's, it's closest to the, the Winsor & Newton um, cerulean blue shade, but it's not the same. Windsor Newton's different, and then the the phthalo blue um, green shade, phthalo green blue shade, which <laughs> I, I would treat as a mixing green. It's one of those, as you know, you, you don't want to use it on its own. It just stands out and says, "I'm an amateur," but it <laughs> makes it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't to Oh my God! Let me just kind of digest that. One. That is too funny. That is so <laughs> cute. I, mean, I because I can totally I've, I I get ah. Get it? Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. Say, I'll say to my students: unless you are painting a person who's wearing a shirt in that colour, mix it with something. You know, it's exactly. Two, it's, but in this palette, it will mix bright greens with the the hands of Yellow. It will mix gorgeous sap greens with the Nakodran Gold. It will mix blacks with the Pyro Crimson. It will mix pine greens with the um, Indian Red. It will mix beautiful deep greens with the um, with the burnt sienna, you know, it just mixes beautifully. And then, of course, turquoise is with the, the phthalo blue and the cerulean. So, once again, it's a mixing colour. Then it has uh, the golethite, which is that lovely granulating colour that I really love.
0: Which one is that?
1: That's the golethite brown ochre. I'll show you what it looks like. I um, haven't tried that one. Oh, you'd love it. Well, i better get you one of these. <laughs> <laughs> I'd enjoy them. Um, hang on, I've just got to find him. It's uh, it's not, uh, it's not a, it's also called brown ochre. So it's called goethite brown ochre and it's really lovely. Um, it's the like, granulation. And I you're like, not so into the granulation with what you do, I suppose. Well, so it
0: might not depends on what I'm doing. You know, I do love granulation. In fact my well i'm just curious my mind's going in different directions here like i do have this newer painting style uh you saw that with the portraits that i've been playing around with and having a little bit of granulation in there is fun but also staying with the transparent colors and yeah the other thing i found when it comes to the uh daniel smith primatech colors it was a little challenging to kind of layer oh go ahead talk so i can see that
1: that's all right so that's the go
0: so it's very granulating um
1: it's a py43 so same as yellow ochre but it's got a little bit more of a brown but like the granulation it. is beautiful so it does beaches and yeah just really lovely for that so uh,
0: so yes sorry No, you know, this is why I like like the French Ultramarine Blue in the Windsor & Newton brand because I like that granulation, especially with their burnt sienna. So, and then when it goes over to the Daniel Smith colors, I couldn't get that because it ended up going a little more towards a a grayer side instead of a bluer side, which I wanted. So, I found that very fascinating that you liked that. And then also, that was a gorgeous color that you just showed me. And why don't you repeat the name of that color again? It's called goethite, and in brackets brown ochre,
1: so it's it has that sort of full name. So goethite brown ochre, um, and I just love it because of the granulation. Um, for you know, if you if you mix the buff titanium and the goethite onto damp paper, you have a beach without having to do anything else. It just creates all the nooks and crannies mm. to, to create a beach. It's beautiful. Um, so yeah, so that's the other one. And then there's burnt sienna, um, the the PBR seven as opposed to the Windsor and Newton PR one hundred and one. Um, Indian red, which I love because it gives you, it's very opaque, but if you water it down, it gives you a very beautiful, soft earth red. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that combination of the, this one and, and the um, cerulean with a, a goathite is really interesting for portraits or just for doing, you know, an earthy triad. And it's got raw umber, which is very different to the Winsor Newton raw umber because it's very dark. Um, Winsor Newton's quite neutral, but this is really dark and cool um and then the james gray so you know there's i haven't there's nothing i haven't been able to create with them which is why i call them the ultimate mixing set
0: Mm -hmm. um and
1: i did a book to go along with it to sort of explain you know how they all work and how you can work with them and so on so i was delighted when they brought it out because it is a, a really a really easy set to start working with um so yeah that was that was pretty cool
0: well that's really exciting i'm very happy for you you know i the um because I, I use so much of the Winsor and Newton and I still do love the Daniel Smith colors, but it's, so do you, you, you use other brands. I mean, obviously you've got so many different colors. So do you have a, a favorite or one that you, I hate to say that, especially when they've just uh, did that little set. Is there one that you um, go to more often, a brand that you go to more often? Well, I, I, I use Daniel Smith almost exclusively. Um, okay, I have done
1: for, 23 years. Um wow. so I started with Windsor and Newton as a child and then I went to Schminky when I was I love Schminky too. In my in my twenties, I think I used schminky and um and then I lived in America for um mm-hmm. quite a few years and and when my I know it was twenty-three years ago because my son's twenty-three. When he was a baby, I first tried Daniel Smith and then it came out came out um two years before, so it was pretty new. Um, and I bought a set and it had amongst others, it had quinacridone gold, which I just fell in love with. Um, and it had the burnt sienna, and it had a lot of these colors that were so beautiful and rich, and, and I really loved them. And so then I just started using those. It was so much nicer than the the, the other ones I'd been using. And I had little pans of Schminky, not, not the tubes, so I could right. put them into different ways. And then I moved from America to Singapore, and so I started importing Daniel Smith into Singapore, because it wasn't available. Mm-hmm then i moved to australia and i had to buy them again from america and i talked to all these different shops you know you need to stock daniel smith they're really wonderful and finally someone did and and you know they've done very well but i think the thing is they have over 250 colors so there's not many that they don't have
0: mm-hmm. however
1: in schminkie the color that if you're using schminkie you would not you wouldn't you would have to have transparent orange so in schminkie that is their really beautiful unique color if you're using da vinci I think you'd have to have their um, Benzomita Orange Deep. It's another beautiful orange. I don't know if you've come across it, but it is absolutely gorgeous. Rich, um, perfect mid-orange with orange undertone, not yellow or red undertone. It's just a gorgeous
0: colour. Isn't Da Vinci a little more chalky in a way? Like it's not as transparent, right? Da Vinci are beautiful paints. Um, Really?
1: Okay. They are are really beautiful. Um, And in the U.S., you can get... The 37 mil tubes,
0: which are enormous. Um, if you haven't seen them, it's worth seeing. Yeah, and they're a great deal, aren't they? They're just and they mix well together. Yes.
1: That's a standard Schwinky tube, and that's uh, the 37. I mean winsor Newton have the big ones too. But I seem to recall that their series one are only $12 in the US. Yeah, they were Is great deals. Yeah. No, they're very, very good. Um, I tend to most highly recommend the Schwinky, the Da Vinci and the Daniel Smith because they work for me and what I'm doing. Um, but, uh, but certainly, you know, the um, oh, this is gouache, not watercolour, but it's the same size tube. But the, um, they are very, very good. Uh, they're lots of single pigment colours. Um, unlike some, things like the Da Vinci Sap Green is a really lovely, use it as it is, green. Sometimes they're really, really bright. Mm-hmm. But they do these with a phthalo green and a yellow ochre and it's lovely. Um, so, no, Da Vinci are very, very good um they'll they'll send out dot cards and things like that and uh definitely worth a look they have um, interesting nice granulation um a lot of their colors are, compare more with daniel smith than Winsor and newton so their raw umber is the deep dark one like daniel smith not like Winsor and newton um some of their naming is slightly different but they're they're a very good brand and the schminkie i really like because they come in Largest tubes, small tubes, large pans, small pans, so you can get whatever it is you want. And they have the same formulation for whatever it is. Whereas, I don't know if you know, but Winsor and Newton do different formulations. So their tube colour and their pan colour are actually formulated differently.
0: No, I did not know know that.
1: Take a tube and fill up their pan. Why would they do that? Well, I think their theory is that if you're working with the tube colours, you're working with it wet. If you're working with the pan colours, you're working with it dry. And so if you try and fill up their pans with their tubes, it won't re-wet as well because it's yes. intended to be used wet. Um, so most my, my Winter Newton students, I always have them just add a, um, just a, a, a drop of gum, Arabic, um, no mm-hmm. not gum, Arabic, glycerin mm-hmm. and stir it in every time they put it into a pan so that it doesn't crack and so that it will re-wet better. So there's always a workaround. Well, have you <laughs> tried
0: American Journey too? Because American Journey is made by Da, uh, by da Vinci, right? Yes, it's not necessarily exactly the same
1: formulation. They're very secretive about the formulation, so I don't know what's different. Um, I've tried a couple. Um, I haven't tried all of them, and there are colours that are available in the American Journey that are not available in the Da Vinci, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to. That's the next one that I'm working on. To it's harder to get them in Australia, but I'm I'm working to to go
0: through the whole range of. Um, of American journey. I yeah. also saw that you were trying, oh, you just wrote something I think on your blog, it was a different brand that I had never heard of before. Roman Schmal? Yes. Yes, they're only released this year. Um, so he's
1: a guy in Poland, and um, he had given some samples to someone else to give to me, who we met up in Italy or something. <laughs> and then he, we just kept in touch, and he said he'd send the range when they're available, which he did, and they are beautiful. Um, they're only available as full pans at this point. I don't know if it's going to change. In some ways, I hope it doesn't because sometimes it's simple to just have one thing available.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: they, uh, they, they err on the slightly sticky side in terms of, um, you know, some of them are, you know, when you take off the, the, the wrapping, which I did a little YouTube video just to show unwrapping one because they're like little lollies, but, um, <laughs> but they, um, some of them are just a little bit wet um but basically the, the pigments are lovely he has lots of natural earth colors um, lots made with um pr102 um so really beautiful earthy range and, and most of them paint out really well also some lovely mixed greens that are interesting often three pigment ones but really interesting ones there they're, it's a very interesting range i was very impressed um it's not often that you just you know take something out of the box and go oh you know this is fun i really enjoyed working with them and they're unbelievably cheap. And so, you know, anyone in Europe, there's something like two or three euros for a full pan. And you can well, buy that full pan or something else. So, I think if anyone wanted to get into watercolors, um, you know, get in now because I think they can only go up.
0: Can you there's say just, the name of that again? Uh, Roman,
1: Roman Schmal, S Z M A L.
0: Okay, because that would be great for our European listeners if they want to get a hold of them. That was
1: very good. So I've got the whole range on my on my blog, but two which I need to just add. He sent me um, he sent me those to add, which I'll do very soon. Um, and they
0: really are beautiful. Okay. I've got some questions from some of my students and listeners that I thought I'd like to see what you have to say about that before I, you know, we run out of any time here. And so Mary Jemson would like to know what is the most transparent color brand that you think? Do you think that I mean, you just add water, right? Or do you think single?
1: Yes, even if it's an opaque color, if you add enough water, it's going to be transparent. Um, I think, I think there are some brands that really claim to be really transparent. What comes to mind is Mamrie Blue was one that talked about being transparent. But, I mean, really, the other way of looking at it is there's only maybe two or three that are actually opaque. So everything is, is transparent, semi-transparent, semi-opaque or fully opaque. But of the fully opaque, the one that comes to mind is Indian Red. You know, that is one that you can actually paint thick enough to cover a black line. Hmm. Occasionally, a Chinese white might nearly cover it. Occasionally, a yellow ochre might cover it. But really, watercolour is not an opaque medium. So, and so oh, there's a couple of blacks that might be, but there's not many. So then you get into the, um, I mean, there's, there is a, a most transparent yellow or red or blue or whatever in most ranges. But um, the thing is, if you only go for transparency, you don't get granulation. You know, you because the finer the pigment, the less they're going to granulate. And mm-hmm. so I think I'm not so interested in in just transparency. I'm interested in all the characteristics that you get with watercolor because that's why it's such an amazing medium. Because you can paint with all the characteristics of a pigment in oil and acrylic. They're kind of hidden, but in watercolor, they're they're there to see.
0: Well, actually, so you so just it, made me think about so when you said because there's uh, about the transparency because as uh, I'm sure you've seen when people start out a lot of times their watercolors can be really wimpy you know not a lot of um, so do you have any ideas or suggestions on that or or sometimes they are too thick and pasty you know is trying to find that good water to color blend and why well, do you think a lot of people have um, colors that are too light um, I think a lot of people um, are a bit
1: scared of medium because they, they're told over and over that, that you can't change mistakes um, and I think that the more that they realise that um, understanding the pigment characteristics means you can choose ones that are going to be easier to work with and more, more easy to lift or to change if you need to, it helps to, to overcome some of that fear. I think some people work with a brush that's too big for what they're doing, um, mm-hmm. so it picks up more water than they can control. Um, I think some people think that watercolour is wimpy. They think it's pale and washed out yeah. and don't realise how bold and dynamic. I mean, anyone working with you would know how bold and dynamic <laughs> it can be. Um, but I think that it had a bit of a reputation of being a bit washed out. And these days, the pigments that we have access to, it's as bold and bright and gorgeous as anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think that understanding that water-to-pigment ratio it takes a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I always like to think of it as a whole series of Of beverages (laughs) i actually will tend to do a demonstration where i'll start with the a tube of of um watercolor and 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 sort of show how that you know it's like toothpaste and we we don't paint with toothpaste it is water and color so we always add water but if you add enough and if you actually sort of see it on a palette and see how it moves and, and i've seen you do this so you do the same thing See how it moves, and I equate that that thickest that you'd use with colour as cream, you know, pouring cream. So it will move on the palette, you know, in a fairly slow, but but it will move. And then if we add, you know, a brushful of water, it will it will then move more like milk. So I think cream then milk, and that milky one gives you your second tone. Um, if we add more water again, it will then move in a liquid manner, you know. So it will like water, but I think of it as being like um, like black coffee. If you had black coffee in a um, in, a, in a glass, you wouldn't see your hand through it, but mm-hmm. it's completely liquid. That's a good and then description. We water, yeah. Again, we have um, tea. So you would start to see your hand in a glass, but it's completely liquid. And then the next one, that's a bit cheeky, but in America, if you go to gas for a cup of tea, you tend to get a glass of, or a cup of hot water and a tea bag on the side and try as you might you can't get much strength to it. So the last one is weak tea. <laughs> so it's just lightly coloured water. But that that actually seeing it moving on the palette, as I know you do, you can really start to judge so that you can predict that if it moves like this, it's going to paint like that and so you can create your tones better. So I think that when people really explore how to create the tones and understand it and look at it and do it, then it, it gets easier to know what to aim for. And if they go too thick, then you get that ugly bronzing, and you know we don't want that.
0: Well, I like the way you described it because when I ever think of of the milk and cream and butter and tea and coffee, I'm thinking I don't know, I I just don't think that way. But you explained it beautifully. The other thing is that somebody uh, was asking me now: since Quinacridone Gold is not going to be available, what are you going to? What do you prefer? How can you uh, guide people on what to choose?
1: Well, I think that of the hues. Um, I think the Daniel Smith one is is pretty close. Um, it, it shows through a bit more yellow than the Quinacridone Gold did, but it does mix in a very, very similar manner. So I think that that one's a good option. The other one that's very good is the Schminky hue. That one is um, is a very close as well. And the other one is this new Roman Schmal. It's a very nice version as well. Um, the Windsor Newt one has always been much more dull. Um, they... they if you're using Winsor & Newton, you can make a beautiful quinacridone gold hue using their transparent yellow and their burnt sienna. It's perfect, makes a perfect match. But they use, they put in some quinacridone violet for some reason and it does make it quite dull. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wouldn't recommend the Winsor & Newton one if you're trying to match that original quinacridone gold colour. Um, I mean, as I said, I bought up a lot. I, I knew it was going to happen. Um and I just bought up a new tube, so I'll be using the original it, Is
0: it not available at all anymore?
1: No, unless you happen to go into a dusty old store that hasn't had a lot of business, then you might find it. Okay, uh, but basically, it's it's no longer available. There is a version available through um, uh, a pigment company in New York, but it's not at all the same. It's it's called Quinacridone Gold, and it's called PO forty nine, but it isn't the same color. It's much. Um, much more rusty gold it's not the
0: same. Well, so well since we're talking about yellows too or you know the golds i'm just curious like when you have a yellow flower or an orange flower i'll stay pretty much more to yellow what would be a good shadow color for that you know do you
1: yeah so it's actually the shadow on the flower or in the background
0: uh in the on the flower on the petals Yeah, on the petals.
1: So I I tend to think in the opposites. Um, So if you have a yellow, then you want to add purple to create the shadow colour. Um, And so because I don't generally have purple in the palette, I will mix it with um, either quinacridone rose and phthalo blue or quinacridone rose, well, generally with phthalo blue because on a shadow you don't necessarily want granulation Mm -hmm. on a flower. So I wouldn't necessarily use ultramarine or cerulean. Um, I might use indanthrone blue because that also doesn't granulate Mm
0: -hmm. or I
1: might use um, one of the phthalo blues. Um, But so I'd make the, make the appropriate purple to then mix a tiny bit of that with the yellow I started with. And that will give a a fairly natural shadow color.
0: I like, I I I like that. I didn't even think about the um, indanthrone blue, you know, I have it, but I just never use it, but I know it's beautiful. Um, The other option is I just use James Grey
1: because it actually adds... like that. ...a neutral tint. If you use it just a little bit, you know, washed out, you'll still see the colour through it and it will actually behave as a neutral tint. So... I quite often do
0: that. <laughs> so that, to me, seems like it would be a really good option because, like, like, like I said, with the combination that I go with the Windsor and Newton, it has more of a blue. But if you went with the Jane's Gray on top of a yellow and then had it thinned out a little bit, that because that is a more maybe neutral color, that would probably be a really good shadow on top of a yellow. It works
1: in a simple manner, and it's lovely shadow yeah. for. Paper, so it's lovely for anything with white flowers and so on. You can just paint entirely in that, but it's um, it does work. I mean, it's slightly on the blue side of a shadow color.
0: I like that. Works. I like, I'm gonna to have to try that. I think that'd be good because, like, when I um, so how is the Jane's gray different than a neutral tint? Um, okay, neutral tint is made always with black,
1: okay, and usually phthalo blue, and sometimes something else, with one exception. So, M. Graham make a neutral tint where they use. Um, A green and a red. So there's no black in it. This is the only one. Um, All the other neutral tints have black in it. And as soon as you have black in watercolour, you've got a colour that is absorbing all your light and not reflecting it. And so that creates a dullness. Um, Jang's Grey, because it doesn't have black, it's ultramarine and burnt sienna, Um, it doesn't have, even though it goes quite dark, it still is going to be reflecting the light. And so it doesn't create a deadness. Unless you, I mean, if you use it too thick, anything can but it's um you know, as soon as you, you wash it down it'll create a grey that's
0: not that's not dead. Well, I'm going to have to try that because like in one of my workshops, uh, we were working with a neutral tint because I don't usually use neutral tints, you know, and I thought, well, let's see, let's see what happens if we do this, because I usually use the combination I have and it did dull it down. And I thought, you know, it kind of makes it, it just takes it from that life into something that's way more subdued. So that was an amazing answer on that. I really appreciate that
1: if i want that if i want to go darker so james gray will go into a very dark gray but it won't quite go black so if i want to go darker again then i use the combination of um phthalo green and pyrrole crimson um so in windsor newton that would be um windsor red deep and windsor green blue shade um and that that will mix a really really rich non-granulating and staining black hue but once again it's not going to have the deadness so um, so I, have, I call it James Black, of course, makes sense. Um, and so if I want to go even darker, that's what I use. And that will wash out to a beautiful grey. But it's a, um, it's, a, it's a different one. So if you really want dark and you don't want to use black pigment, you can create it with that. Or I'll use the other combination of transparent pearl orange and phthalo blue red shade, which also makes the most gorgeous black but i just go a little bit on the blue side and it makes these beautiful deep blues and I go a little bit on the brown side and it makes all these lovely burnt sienna colors. So it's a, v- a lovely neutralizing pair as well.
0: Well, um, I'm also curious, you just triggered something like, how important is it to have warm and cool colors together in the same painting? I nearly always do.
1: Um, I, I rarely would just use all warm, um, the only time I'd use all cool is if I was going with a really classic CYMK palette, you know, if I wanted a, a sort of a lemon yellow and a quinacridone rose and a phthalo blue. You can mix anything with it. Um, they're all cool. But generally I'm mixing warm and cool all the time because I would tend to use, um, I'll tend to often use the greens and blues. I, you know, I just mix them up a lot. I think
0: it's, um, it's hard not to really. Exactly, but then if you mix a warm and cool color together in the same combination, it can get a little muddy, right? Or it gets a little duller. Um, no, not necessarily. I mean, for example, if I want a mid red, um,
1: I okay. mix my cool red and my warm red. I make a mid red. I mean, yes, reds are all warm, but even within that, you're mixing a warm and a cool. Right. And uh, and on my palette, I don't have a mid red, so that's the only way I can get it. But ah, it's bright okay. and gorgeous. Um, if I want to make an orange, I mix my mid yellow which is my cooler yellow and my cool red which is conacridone rose and make a beautiful orange so a lot of the time what you're mixing is a warm and a cool and it makes a beautiful bright color so no not necessarily i think that the problem where people get muddy colors is they just try and put too many in together or if they're using cadmiums because i think cadmiums yeah. muddy colors very quickly because they don't like mixing with ultramarine and they can be a bit heavy um, and so I think it's, that's, that's the biggest cause of creating muddy colors is using cadmiums. as much as they're beautiful pigments.
0: They're, they're not, yeah. I think no. they've got to be used in, in, in moderation. I stay away from this. So yeah. uh, I've got a question, uh, from Liv Withrow. She said she just read, uh, your article about watercolor triads online. She read it online and she'd like to know what is your favorite triad?
1: the earth triad, I love working with, um, so this is in Daniel Smith, it's cerulean chromium, Indian red, and either goethite or yellow ochre. That's my absolute favourite. Yeah, go it's, ahead. Um, lovely for urban sort of scenes. It's lovely for landscapes. It's very muted and you want to water it down a little bit, but it, um, it just looks beautiful. And it captures actually the Californian, the Southern California colours really, really well um as you go further north it was funny i was when i was driving up from um uh, santa barbara and driving up to oregon and the colors changed from that earth triad up into one i call the aussie triad which is a crimson pyro crimson ultramarine and quinacridone gold the colors got stronger the greens got deeper but in that in that more southern californian area it was all this earth triad would have just been perfect it's it's really lovely it's very subtle but very very lovely and you can't get every color you want with it and i would often add james Gray or Ed Burn or add, you know, um, the buff titanium that I love. So I wouldn't necessarily only work with those three, but.
0: Well, it's wonderful. I, was, I like the idea. I really think I'm going to need to get some james Gray myself. I know that. And let's see. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lisa Oliver had a question and she'd like to know uh, the best colors to use to achieve transparent lilac, coral, and salmon colors.
1: Okay. So Conakron Rose mixed with um, either a transparent yellow or the. Um, the handsy yellow medium, either of those will do it. The um, coral colours, you you kind of need um, the the pink, and then a slightly cooler yellow. And then if you want them to be a bit more pastel, you would add either white or buff titanium. If you want to keep them strong, obviously otherwise just water. Um, salmon colours, the same thing. You can use the um, the same combination. You can also get a lovely salmony colour with Indian red, watered down and a touch of yellow as well, but it's going to be more earthy.
0: And then Barbara Dubowski has uh, a question like, how do you get a bubblegum pink, sometimes called Barbie doll pink? I've never heard of that. Have you? Yeah. When you get into the kind of unrealistic colors,
1: that's where the opera, opera rose, opera pink comes in, which I won't use. Um, right. So I would start with quinacridone rose or even there's one that's even pinker and that's quinacridone pink. Um, for even Daniel Smith, it's a, it's a even pinker pink. Um, you would probably add um, – I'm wondering if you'd actually add a hint of, of white or buff titanium to, to give it a little bit of a, um, a pastel kind of look because that would give it a little bit more of an unnatural look. And for the – what was the other one? The violet? Barbie doll pink. Yeah, so Barbie oh, doll pink, that's right. Start with quinacridone rose. And Have you try ever
0: heard it. of that name?
1: Yes, it's what all the little shoes and everything is. You know, the <laughs> little shoes, little hats. They're all really bright pink. But quinacridone rose with a bit of white or buff titanium would probably come pretty close and she mentioned a
0: lilac was it um oh, there was uh, the other one was Lisa uh, Lisa Oliver wanted to know the transparent lilac coral and salmon colors which you did so the yeah, the uh, lilac
1: yeah yeah I'd, I'd use quinacridone rose probably with phthalo blue yeah uh, tiny bit tiny bit you know just very, very very I mean it's such a powerful color and then uh, m- enough water to to make it the the strength that that, that she's after
0: And so you said that you wouldn't use opera. I personally wouldn't either. And I have my reasons. And so what are your reasons? I have, um,
1: when I was uh, 16, I did a series of botanical studies using alizarin crimson. And they sat in my parents' house and faded. So um, I won't use anything that I know is going to fade. And I've done my own light fast tests on a number of different paints. And so if I... If they failed my tests or I've or I read that they're not likely to hold up to it, I just won't use them. Because it's not just that it's sometime in the future. If it's going to fade within half my lifetime or even less, perhaps a third, um, it's not good enough. Um, and it's very sad. I mean, they were really beautiful detailed studies and, and they are definitely washed out. Um, so I did some really nasty light-class tests. I put them in a northern window, but not just in it, but outside it. So I really tested some colours and they survived. You know, that was, that was a pretty vicious thing to do in the Australian sun, which is incredibly powerful. Um, so it's, I just, I just think if they're, if they're when, you, when you look at Opera Pink and what it does, it actually reflects its colour onto another page. You hold a piece of paper over ah. it, it's reflecting onto it and it's giving off all these fluoro colours and they eventually are just going to go and you'll be just left with the, usually the PR122, which is its base um so yes it's beautiful when you paint it on if you want that sort of thing
0: but i just won't use it what about rose i mean like rose matter i mean that's a fugitive color also i don't use that either yeah smells like no it smells so good (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now doesn't daniel smith make a quinacridone um something that is close to their opera but they use a quinacridone magenta in there they make an opera
1: um which has the the magenta so it has the pr122 and then this fluoro p it's called bv7 i think it is um would you use that one no okay that's good to know any of the fluoro ones so schminke have some very very bright um purples and pinks and things i won't use those either um i don't use areolin um because it's also fugitive i don't use um and even some of the um, Daniel Smith, some of their beautiful primatex, some of those failed my light fast test. So really? I, think was, I didn't know that. I, mean, I, I use some of them, but only the ones that passed. So I'm just, I just figure, um, you know, if, I, if someone's going to buy one of my paintings, I don't, I don't want it to fade on the walls. And even though, right. you know, we, we would hope that they're put in a sheltered spot and all those sorts of things, it's just um, I, I just think we've got all these lovely light fast things available so it's fine i'll often say to people look if you love it use it in a sketchbook it's protected there or if you're going to have it scanned and so on so it's not that i want them to be banned it's not that um i think they shouldn't be available because it's actually nice to be able to see what rose banner looks like or what blizzard and crimson looks like and what all the hype is about i just don't choose to use it because i've seen what happens when you do
0: you know how many people are resistant to hearing that they do not want to hear that (laughs) and they 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 get very upset with that and have do you you do you work with gouache at all yes i do um oh, that's no, interesting I
1: so i have a, a gouache palette that i take out sketching with me so once again with gouache i look for the ones there's two types of gouache there's the ones that have the chalk in it that are very opaque and then there's the other ones that are really just very concentrated watercolor and they're what i work with because they will Rewet. You know how normally with gouache, if you if you put it into a palette and then you go to reuse it again, you know, once once you finish it, you just wash it away. Well, these ones, so it's the Schminke, the Da Vinci, and the M Graham. Um, those can all be put into a pan and then they will rewet. Um, so that's what I've made up my palette with. I've got, I think I've put the whole palette on my blog, so show which ones I use. Um, and I don't use it a lot, but there are times when I just feel like working on a coloured ground, or I want to um paint over something or or just give a different look um so so yes i do use it sometimes i'll use white gouache just to add highlights or throw a bit of a splash on if i'm doing an ocean scene i'll just use white gouache and splash it and that sort Mm. of thing
0: or add an outline
1: so so yes i do
0: well that's interesting i didn't expect that so that's good to know and so i'll just i know that we're just going to finish up here um i want to know do you do you do different papers or do you use Arches paper? What paper do you like to use? I've used Arches traditionally
1: um, for many, many years, but I don't know what it's like in the U.S., but in Australia, they reduced the number of sheets in a pad and they, um, the price went up over a third. They basically kind of doubled in price and it's become a little bit ridiculous. So, um, and
0: the, I, the quality has been different too.
1: So I'm looking at options. Um, I'm looking at yeah. Saunders. I'm looking at um, Fabriano. I have Fabriano in my sketchbooks and it's beautiful. Um, mm-hmm. So having been a you know traditional Ashes person and love them, they just work very, very well, um, I'm sort of looking at other options.
0: Same here. So. Yeah. <laughs> same do you have do you like to use a specific type of brush when you paint i mean you do so much testing and you do your sketches so you're not really working on full paintings very much so do you have a particular brush that you like to use and that yeah. it, what, what? I
1: love natural, natural hair brushes so i work um I've worked for a long time with raphael um I really like their series eight four zero four i think it is the the one with the red uh, the orange tip, so this guy. Um, so I use, I've used a lot of those, and I look after them pretty carefully, so they've lasted for a long time. So that's their Kolinsky sable. I also use um, Da Vinci, and this is not the same Da Vinci, so it's Da Vinci um, Germany as opposed. Well, oh, that's the same thing I do. I, it's
0: basically it's Da Vinci. Yeah, I use yeah. a lot of Da Vinci brushes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I think they're terrific. Um, so I use a lot of those. I use those for travel, so I tend to use the Da Vinci travel brushes. There's beautiful sables for travel. Um, I use a few rosemary treble brushes. Uh-huh. Um, so those three are the main ones so my my collection which is um, there's the Raphael 803s and uh, Raphael and da Vinci Sables. yeah uh, I've got some brushes <laughs> here
0: and I, 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 I have a huge one in my closet over there. <laughs> I was given this one
1: and it is so big. It's a size 14. I've, I've almost never used it. It's so beautiful. But um, even yeah. when I did a canvas, actually I used it for canvas. So it was six foot by six foot. That's about the only time I've actually used it.
0: Yeah, I um, have. I just didn't know what to use it for. It's huge. Yeah,
1: <laughs> exactly. But I, like, I like the sables for detail and I like the squirrels for, for large areas. But I really like natural hair. However, I also like... Um, a couple of synthetic brushes for specific purposes. So, in the US, you can get scrubber brushes. Um, Dick Blick make them, and some of the others make them, and they're a synthetic. Um, you're probably familiar with them, but they're um, they come in a range of sizes. I've got a couple here. I get quite a lot from the US. So these sorts of things that are a sort of oval shape. I know you can mm-hmm. see them. Yeah. Um, I use those for for lifting out some things, and then Rosemary and Co. make a series of brushes that are called the eradicator and they are um a very fine synthetic um very focused tip and they'd be good i don't know if you've come across them but they're fantastic for lifting out veins and very very fine details so they're um they this is the the medium there's also a, a small and i use those a lot for just lifting out those very fine details just taking out the tip and they're they're so focused they're perfect for the job Um, So they're a particular, you know, there's a few specialty brushes that I quite like. And those are two of them. You get those from the UK, don't you? The rosemary's from the UK, yeah. Yeah. And the scrubbers I get from the US.
0: So let me ask you, so, uh, okay, what color could you not live without? Or what couple colors or something? I'll just try to... I I think the smallest set
1: that I'd be comfortable working with would have buff titanium, ultramarine, um i think it would have quinacridone gold no i could i could probably manage with the hansi yellow medium and mix up my own so yeah hansi Yellow medium quinacridone rose burnt sienna um because i can still make my janes gray that would be about as small as i'd go down to what about Um, a red what about quinacridone rose could be the red. Okay. Because with the yellow I can make all the other reds. I couldn't quite make crimson, I'd be frustrated because I'm a realist. But um, um yeah, I mean it's it's quite interesting. You know, you get down to down and down and down in sizes, and you know what how small can you go? I get uncomfortable with less than nine. Yeah. Twelve is struggle, 15. I'm happy, 20 is perfect. I like you know, 20 colour palette is lovely. I mean, show you studio palette is this guy and he's got 20 colors and
0: that's wonderful it's so clean (laughs) (laughs) i clean up after every painting so um... uh, well that that is so interesting and so now you have a book do you have a book i think you do don't you okay so tell me about your books and how they can find them
1: so one of them is the first of them was the watercolor mixing charts so on my website i have as you know hundreds of mixing charts and i just put them into a book to make them available it's 100 pages and it goes through all these um, mixes and the way i organized them was i started with the the main chart that i went through methodically mixing this with this you know little by little and then doing it with more water and then doing with more water so you really see kind of everything it can do But then that takes a lot of time and a lot of space. So then below, I might put, you know, the same blue and look at a different yellow and just show them more quickly. And then there are notes. These were my own charts. I'll I'll show you the book because it's kind of interesting. So This is the original. Oh, my. Uh, So that's the cover that I painted for it. And these are the original charts. And I just did hundreds of them. I mean, there's, there's all these. Um, so I put them on my website and then I put them as a book to make them available.
0: That's amazing. Um, I can't even stay in the lines of those little squares. I don't. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so how...
0: mixing charts.
1: Um, so that was literally, it was, I, I'm self-taught with watercolour. And the way I do it is by exploring and trying things. And so, so then I put these together and and put it together into a book It has the notes that I made for myself, things I'd written out and so on. It's all handwritten. So I just, you know, scanned them, cleaned them up and put them into a book. Um, It would have been sensible to have added the pigment information. And I'm thinking I'll do that on my website so people can add it themselves if they want to. But, you know, I just made it available. So that was the first.
0: How can somebody find your book? How do they get a hold of it?
1: They're self-published. So they're available on blurb.com. And for this month, because I'm doing a um, a joint collaboration with Maria from Art Toolkit, she's doing a little mini pocket palette of my ultimate mixing set. I'm doing 15 off, hmm. so um, off my off this book. So I'll talk about that one now. So it's blurb.com. Uh, in the US, just blurb.com. In Australia, it's au.blurb.com. And for every, whatever country you're in, you can just search blurb in your country. And then if you put Jane Blundell in the search button. Um, but the two books will come up, and they're available as hardback or paperback, or PDF or ebook. Um, but I've put the fifteen percent off this book in either the paper or the or the hardback.
0: And how does it get the discount?
1: It's just I've, I've dropped the price, oh, okay. so it's yeah, just for this whole month. Um, okay. So anyone who, if you ever want the, the paper cover paper book, it's the time to get it. This one was designed very much as a reference so you know i i developed this this set of 15 colors and then i wanted to, to show how to work with them so i always have my students do a few color charts but they they don't necessarily want to do this many and so this goes through and shows how the colors look um, so that's the set of them actually you can see those those colors a bit more clearly the beautiful nice. down there yeah and the buff titanium um and of course jane's gray and then it goes through, you know, showing what happens when you wash them down, um, how to use them in a colour wheel. And then it goes through every, every two colour mix. So this is mixing every yellow with every red, um, including the earth yellows and the earth reds, and then every yellow with every blue. And so you can really see um, all the sorts of colours you can make. So I did all the two colour mixes and then I went on and did or the, um, a whole lot of three color mixes as well. So it just goes. It's just sort of shows what you can do with them. Bottom, I've put notes on you know what this might be useful for, or this mix will make mm. it black. If you really you know work hard at it, or it could be good for skin tones, or. And then I've gone through the three color mixes, so looking at wow. you know three three colors and showing this one mixed with the other two, and this one with the other two, and showing the different way that that works. And so it's just it's just a crazy. This is the that's the index. It's just a whole lot of information on colour. So if you have that that set, this shows you everything it will do. I, I've, I've forgotten that. I did actually make a note of how many mixes were in it, and it was thousands. Well, I,
0: I'm impressed. I mean, th- that is something I just couldn't sit down and do. And it's just amazing. It's six months, it's six months to actually do all
1: of the, the charts, which I'll show you because it was this one. So there's the these are the actual charts that I did.
0: Wow, they're beautiful.
1: So I just went through, you know, very methodically and, and then I'd think, okay, now I need to do this and then, oh, but then I need to add that and, and I just built it up, but it's very compact and so I really, there's not a lot of explanation and I've put, you know, as much as, much as I can on each page with little writing just to try and have it, you know, not too expensive. But uh, anyway, it's, um, a lot of my students will, will write on it and add their own notes and all those sorts of things, which is great. Um, but yeah, so that's, that's the second book.
0: I'm going to go ahead and, um, put that in the show notes. That's going to be my intention too. So I'm going to go over this and so students will be able to find it there. They also asked me if you had another suggestion of a different book. I don't think you need another book after you've got your book. The other one I'm working on,
1: and it's a, it's a bit of a slow process is called Working with Triads. And it literally goes through, um, it goes through 26 triads just using that same set. And then a few others as well showing examples and i have a lot of fun with that one i'll show you that one too because i love i love working with um with my students to make them realize how much you can do with very little so this is the sort of thing that will be in it so this shows just three colors and a painting done with the three colors and then those are all mixes just with the three
0: colors that is fantastic how many colors were in that I think we're going to turn this into a video podcast.
1: <laughs> so yes, this is a, this is what I call a, um, a basic primary palette. It's ultramarine. It's Hansi yellow medium and it's connector rose. So that's in Daniel Smith in uh Windsor Newton. It would be permanent rose, Windsor yellow and French ultramarine. And you okay. think we're
0: going to have that available.
1: It's in the pipeline. Yeah. I want to finish doing the videos for my online lessons and then, I'll get back to work on this. I've got lots of it done, but it's very comprehensive. The other ones I'm planning to do are a sketching book. Um, and then the other one is a, um, it's kind of just goes through a, it's almost like a retrospective of a 40 years of painting. So I'll end up with five of them, but this one's going to be pretty, pretty complex. So here's my favourite triad. So there it is. That's the earth triad. And that's the, the yellow, the, the red and the blue, just that um, Goa fight Indian red and soiling chromium. And so then that painting is done just in those. And it gives um, it just gives a beautiful harmony working with a very limited palette. I
0: mean, everything you do here is gorgeous. It's going to be a beautiful and it's going to, everybody should have one of those. That's my Aussie triad. So this
1: is wonderful colours for Australia. We have all these gum nuts and things. So once again, there's three colours. There's Gold, Ultramarine and, and Pyro Crimson, which is the same as Windsor Red Deep. And then all of these are made with, with just those colors. Um, So it's going through, and there's, there's a whole lot of others as well. I mean, this is just some of it. So that's made with just three colors
0: Um, over the back here. um, So let me ask you, you're also teaching online, right? Or have you developed your, are, are you already active with that or? I teach online, but I do it at the moment by email. And so
1: I have all the lessons as a PDF file that I send to my students um, but I'm in the process now of creating videos and putting it onto a website, so that it will be um, even. I mean, it's, I've described everything carefully, but obviously, a video is just so much easier. Yeah. So that's the just at the beginning of that process. Um, so then it's because I have so many students; it's actually quite difficult to do it when I'm traveling. Um, right. It needs to be something that's just you know just. I,
0: right. I couldn't do it while I was traveling. That's why I I have I, I haven't. I have one workshop that I'm traveling to this year. I have one next year. Usually, I would be gone for about five to six, about five months a year. And it's like putting the brakes and saying no to so many things was so hard for me, but I couldn't get anything done.
1: So it's um it's just fascinating. And and I, by by working through these sorts of things, people realize that with understanding the colors. I mean, one of the points I make that's that's actually really important is with something like this. Um, you know, looking at, so this is here on is, is one with three cool colours. But when you have something like this, you, you're working with, with the three. But one of the things that's, that I, I always emphasise is that means you can add others. So if you're working with these three and you happen to have um, quinacridone magenta, you can make it so you could add it, you know, if that saves you some time. If you have dioxazone violet, since you can make it, you can add it. The same with here, you could add phthalo green. You could even add um, a warm yellow. So since you can make those colours, you know, with the three, why not add... And you can also make these earth colours, so you could add those as well. So it's understanding colour harmony. By mm-hmm. starting with a wheel and creating it, you can then add as many as you want for, for convenience. You don't have to just paint the three. And I think that's something that people don't necessarily realise. This helps you to know which colours you can add. And if you have a look at one like... Um,
0: Where is he? I don't think there is anybody better with color than you are. (laughs) You're the queen. You are the queen of color. (laughs) This one's a funny one because it doesn't make
1: purple. I call it the no purple tribe because it doesn't make purple. It makes, you know, other colors but not purple. Um, And so in this case, if you added a purple, it would look really wrong. And so it's just thinking through what you can do. And there are some where if you added... um, with this one, if you were to add phthalo blue or phthalo green, it would look really wrong. It would just stand out. But you can add your duller greens, you know, the rich green golds and, and those sorts of things. And I, I just think it helps people to understand what you can do. And, you can, of course, you can always add
0: burnt sienna and ultramarine because they'll always, you can always make them. Well, it's so fascinating what you do. And what, one of the questions is, uh, like I was thinking, is well, about single pigment, um, single pigment colors but you use a wide range of different colors it's not always I do, I do but they
1: are always colors i can make so in my palette of 20 um it has the basic 15 and then it has some convenience colors so i'll have a sap green which is made out of phthalo green and quinacridone gold they're in my palette undersea green is made with ultramarine and quinacridone gold they're in my palette perylene green i can make using phthalo green and and crimson So I can make it so it'll tie in Jane's Grey. It's two colours in my palette. Um, And so the convenience ones I add, I could make. Um, If I used Imperial Purple, it's made out of ultramarine and quinacridone rose. They're in my palette. And so I'm quite conscious always of what, um, what the pigments are in the mixes. And if they're going to then just give me convenience, I don't have to keep making that colour, well, then it's fine. It's still going to have colour harmony, which is
0: what I'm interested in. So you don't use uh, indigo or anything because you can make no, it.
1: If I, want, if I want indigo, I'll make it. You can make the most beautiful indigo using um, phthalo blue and a touch of the warm red, the pyro, pyro scarlet. We'll make a beautiful indigo.
0: Indigo is another one that always has black in it.
1: Mm-hmm. So I don't
0: use it. Oh, that's but, interesting. Yeah. Well, in ways. I liked the uh, Windsor Newton indigo, but if you have just one wash of that on there, then it, it's, you can't you have to build up your layers on that. So anyway, that's a whole nother conversation.
1: <laughs> but the nice thing is because these books, I mean, if they are interested, it's I'm only doing this special for April and I've never done it before. Um, so it's just a one off and it's 15% off, which really helps. So it's a, it's a good thing if they're just aware. Um, I mean, you know, no one has to buy them, but all the, oh, the other thing is to show you this little, little palette that Maria is doing. So this is the little art toolkit. So, I mean, your students are going to be working large, so it's not necessarily something that they're going to want. But for those who do, this tiny, tiny pallet, which is the size of a credit card holder, ultimate mixing set, and they're these tiny little metal um, pans that are held in with a magnet. And so at the moment, this is what she's put together as a, as a, um, as a combined thing. And so that's the ultimate mixing palette with the Art Toolkit. And she's selling those for $74. Who is the
0: Art Toolkit?
1: Oh, her name is Maria. And she, her website is expeditionaryart.com. And she's a lovely lady in Seattle. So, um, so we, we've been chatting online for years. And we met in 2015, I think it was. And we've met up a couple of times and sketched together, I and mean, we're often talking tools and equipment and so on. So, this is designed to be portable. And she also does a, a kit that it will go into. So she's had it made in Seattle, and it and it will hold a couple of these and a sketchbook and all sorts of things. I, I don't think I've got one lying around up here, but is, I can. Is that through Daniel Smith? She's using Daniel Smith paints, but no, it's not through Daniel Smith. This wow. is something that she wanted to do for a while, and now that James Gray is available as a tube, she's done it. So she's done these
0: these kits and they're, they're just a limited number I love it something. I love that set it looks gorgeous and it'd be so fun to travel with that oh it's beautiful so
1: there's that and there's that and so you know and both of them um you know the, the book just gives you every information on, on how to mix them So, yeah, a couple of cute ways of setting them
0: up. Well, people would be, I mean, you you know, whenever I I am more intuitive when I paint, I I don't really think about it. So your approach is so different than mine. And so many people have wanted, they've asked me questions that I can't answer the way that you, I mean, you are so in depth with all that color. Like I said, you're the queen. All right, Jane. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me, and um, it was a, an absolute pleasure. And I hope to talk to you before you go to Greece. That sounds like a really exciting time. And uh, just stay in touch. Lovely, we well, love you to meet you. Megan. Thank you. Take care. Now that concludes today's episode and if you're interested in finding out more about Jane go to janeblundellart.com and there you can find direct links to her blog. And if you'd like to know more about the colors with Daniel Smith and the special Jane's Gray go to danielsmith.com or visit her website. I'll also go ahead and post some of these links in the show notes. So until next time have fun and happy painting.